Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Sequelizers. This, as always, is the show about fixing bad sequels to good movies. And as always, I am your host, Mr. Jack Chambers. Joining me, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to my Magneto, <laughs> Mr. Matthew Stogden. Hey. Timothy Matum. Hello. Alexander Hamish Plowman. Second best don't cut it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> If you hadn't already guessed, there's some... <laughs> from <little> my hey. <laughs> <laughs> Matt was the big clue there. Hey. Hey. From Matt's Famous quote. Spot on Hugh Jackman impression. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when uh, she steps out of the lake and, and Cyclops just stand there and she goes, hey. Hey. <laughs> Sup. Sup. You I thought you were that? dead. Hey. No, I'm Phoenix, mate. <laughs> That's the big clue right there. I hadn't really hinted at it. In this episode, we're desperately trying to fix... X-Men and The Last Stand from 2006. Uh, much, much, much requested. Mm. And yeah, considering Dark Phoenix is recently released in cinemas. Mm. And, and was also shit. Yeah, Matthew reviewed Dark Phoenix. And Tim, you've seen Dark Phoenix as well, right? I have, yes. what, what Before we get to Last Stand... What did you think of Dark Phoenix? Does it improve on Last Stand? <laughs> it, it is, um, it is a better telling of the Phoenix story. Oh, okay. And it is a more coherent film. Yeah, I, I think you're I'm, so like, careful. I've never doing... seen Tim so carefully choose his words. <laughs> it's a more coherent. <laughs> Cut to a Phil? future court, and Tim is saying this playback, and he's shaking his head, saying, "I didn't know what I was saying. I, I'm sorry, Mister Matum. Do you stand by your previous accusations?" Um, but it is less fun, uh, and they are both oh. terrible. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> say less that fun and both terrible. Uh, Dark Phoenix, this new version, doesn't have the disadvantage of trying to tell two very distinct stories at the mm. same time. But the story that it is trying to tell is shit. <laughs> and the fact that Kinberg wrote Last Stand and then got to write, produce and direct this and made a lot of the same mistakes that people moaned about with Last Stand and said, oh, we don't like these things. Don't worry, I'm bringing them all back. No, you didn't hear me. We don't like these Who things. keeps giving Simon Kinberg the job? Uh, this is, what's this happened? Is a, a what's real question because so he's done a bunch. He's done a bunch of cocaine. Okay. <laughs> probably, probably probably with the right people yeah he's done a bunch of x-men films he's done a bunch of other films writing and producing this is his first directing his next direct directorial job is uh the spy action thriller that jessica chastain is making uh with a bunch of other women and she insisted on having him and after seeing like she gets nothing to do in Dark Phoenix. I didn't even know she was in it. She she is the main bad guy. Fucking uh, and it is a nothing role. And yeah. how she came away from that experience and was like, oh yeah, I want to work with him again. I think it's because maybe what was ended up on the cutting room floor from the multiple mm. rewrites was like that was good. Yeah. Until mm. we had to it's, give it back. What I found interesting, um, I, I read an interview with him recently where he was like, yeah, this is on me. Like literally everything that's wrong with this film and it's underwhelming box office is my performance, my bad. Damn right. Which yeah. is... Uh, it's fresh. It's well, yeah. Refreshing when, to have that. when you're writer, director and producer, you do kind of have to I hold your hands. you have to, yeah. <laughs> it's somebody's playing? fault and I guess it's the mm. writer. Oh, shit. It's, the, the director was... Shit, that's me as well. Um, blame the producer. Fuck, bollocks. That's me as well. Like all the, all the actors in it are doing their best. They, they are, just they have are. terrible material. I feel like that's been with. true for this generation of X characters. Like Apocalypse is a piece of garbage. Yeah. But like there are moments where like oh, Oscar Isaac is trying to be good, but he's Ivan Ooze and he's not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a shame because this X-Men reboot franchise started off rather promising. Like, I really like first class. Yeah, first yeah. class. First class is great. Past. I really like Days of Future Past. I uh -oh. I stand apart from the crowd there because I don't like first class. Oh, and Tim is the fascist. <laughs> Tim is the expert, if you will. It's true. Yes. Around here he is the most qualified X-Men person i think mm. i've probably ever met and i literally know people who podcast about x-men so. going back in time a bit to another drek x-men oh, yeah. film drex-men if you will oh um, ah. so yeah what what wrong with the last stand many things wrong yeah lots so of many things lots of wrong. things I'll, I'll start with a positive some of the action scenes are quite nicely shot and well done and stuff 
and then then none of them make any like narrative sense and no. don't connect at all. And it's like, oh, cool, he can fly a bridge and stuff, which he's done in the comics. Like, that's a cool scene. It's a cool idea. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't do anything. No. At, at the time, it was the most expensive film ever made. I think. Yeah. And it that was, shows yeah. in the effects. Some of them really hold up. Two hundred and ten million dollar budget, yeah. which was yeah the most expensive at the time. I also maintain the music's really good. John Powell's score is really yes, impressive. I would agree. And I yeah. think that's where we uh, sort of end with the good yeah. stuff. I mean, even like the stuff you get, like Juggernaut and Kitty Pride, and that whole like her warping through the wall, yeah. him just blasting through. It looks really cool. Hmm. And then you get the meme. As I see it, with uh, the last stand there are a couple of major issues here um and it does suffer from some it's got its own unique issues but some of them are pretty standard threequel fair i think in terms of what jack was talking about with the set pieces you've got this issue that they're really trying to up the ante absolutely it's that yes, feeling totally of agree. this is the finale although it's sort of not i'll come on to that in a minute but <laughs> i think that the problem is that all of the the first two X-Men films are very good at balancing those set pieces with emotional investment. Because if you read X-Men comics, you realize it's a bit like superhero soap opera. Mm. And you have to get... Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to get those elements in there. You have to get that dr those dramatic elements in there. And this is the first film in the series where they just park those bits while mm. all of the spinning set pieces are happening and then have to squeeze them in every so often. But his other problem is it's got far too many characters. Mm. I think with um, the thing with uh, The Last Stand is that it tries to... I think there's a lot of fan service in there where they're like, we have to get in as many mutants hey, as look, possible. Hey, look, it's the, it's the yeah. guy from that one issue. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Beast yeah, says like, stars like, and garters because that's what we want to hear. Oh, my stars mm, and garters, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, Juggernaut Bitch is yeah, another yeah, example yeah, of that. Yeah. I'm like, mm. I did the thing. And it's... So essentially, the first X Men film like introduces Wolverine and Rogue as the main characters, mm -hmm. and mm. then doesn't really do much in the way of expanding on the other X Men in the second film. So it'd be nice, for example, in the third film, you need to resolve Wolverine <clears throat> and Rogue's respective arcs across the trilogy. But it'd be nice to get more of Storm and Cyclops. Which you get and... more Storm in this because James Marston had like a scheduling conflicts and he was supposed to be like a really integral part and they're like no we need to kill him off really early he's like oh okay yeah brian so that's singer and superman <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and brian singer going to superman returns um and you get storm steps up as like the new leader of the x-men basically because halle berry wanted to come back but would only come back if she got a certain amount of screen time from what i understand but, but it's token there's not much i totally agree i'm not saying it fixes the problem do. i'm just saying yeah. it happened and it didn't fucking work because it's just there you go halle have yeah. fun you're, you're crap but carry on storm's there but they don't actually know what to do with storm so exactly. she shows up and then it's like we've got more of storm Doing storm stuff, I guess. What do we do with storm again? Yeah. She spins really around really fast in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, the the, the X Men films have consistently not known what to do with storm, which is a shame because Halle Berry is a good actress. She's not good in these, but I think that's because she's not getting given the good material. Yeah. The accent thing just annoys yeah. me every time. <laughs> yeah. Either um, have one or don't. I don't care. Yeah. Just pick one and stick with it. And I think. Uh, like you said, X2 did an incredible job of balancing the characters and making so that pretty much everyone in that film gets an arc. Yes. Like they, they they at least start the film somewhere and end it somewhere different and we see them move from one to the other. And this film like introduces a bunch more characters and doesn't even serve the characters that we already have with interesting arcs and in fact kills one of them off really unceremoniously yes and i'm not against which one I'll say, yeah, well <laughs> but kills I think, two of them off. <laughs> but i mean i i think cyclops is the worst oh, you're right. yeah. 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 I think, the completely. especially if you're trying to tell a phoenix story yes like, because any any story that's the heart of it it's yeah it should be about it should be first about gene like and then secondary about Gene and Cyclops. So I guess in that sense, the next thing is we need to talk about Phoenix because yes. that's a fairly major issue with this film mm -hmm. as well. I mean, it's doing two stories. Firstly, it's doing mm. Phoenix and it's doing The Cure. Mm. Uh, interestingly, uh, I found out the other day, Fox didn't want to do the Phoenix story. They wanted the Cure one. They, they wanted the, the Cure, cure one. yeah, correct. And weirdly for studio executives, normally studio executive meddling is a, is a 
bad sign. Their rationale here seems entirely sensible. Yeah, so bloody is, hell. This is this is from the Last Stand wiki. This is uh, the writers had to fight Fox's executives to retain the Phoenix plot, as the studio only wanted the Cure story, as it provided a reason for Magneto's conflict with the X Men. Fair enough. Makes Still, sense so far. The disputes made them not add much for Jean Grey to do in most of the film's second half. We noticed. As the executives considered the tone of the Phoenix story too dark for a mainstream summer movie, which it itself might is perhaps not a you know, is a yeah. fair point. And that its appeal would be limited to hardcore fans rather than a general audience. So in part you've got some uh... studio capping of the mm. story mm. but i think you've also got a recognition from oh. fox that the phoenix story is maybe not the best route to go down mm. especially in this iteration of x-men yes yeah. if you had an mcu style thing and you teased it out say let's say we got, we got end game out oh no sorry that's not true by the time it's been released spider-man's out um so you got spider-man end of phase four sort of thing you could do a phoenix story properly with all the shifting pieces of the shiar and everything else going on as a infinity war Endgame kind of thing but before that it's going to be rushed confused or just missing tons of integral things that actually make it resonate in any way shape or form so is uh phoenix a giant cosmic entity that destroys planets and consumes the world and is it's like one of the most powerful things. No, it's a small per- personality disorder. Yes. <laughs> just Wait, what? angry eyes. What do you mean it's but- just multiple personality? And Famke Janssen literally did like research and training and stuff she to did. deal with multiple personality disorder mm. and like visited and met people with multiple personality disorders to understand their experiences. She doesn't do any fucking acting when she's Phoenix. It doesn't <laughs> matter. She just stands there staring blankly. Mm. Who cares? It's rubbish. Yeah, I mean, I'm, especially having seen Dark Phoenix now, I'm firmly of the opinion that you cannot do the Phoenix story justice in a single film. Mm. Like, in order to capture the scope of it, you do need to make it something like Infinity War and Endgame. You need to, you need to see the rise and then you need to see the fall. Mm. And I, I mean, despite this having a huge budget and there, there were spin-offs in the motion at the time, mm, I don't it, think. Yeah. Fox has never had enough confidence, and also I don't think the X-Men films have ever performed good enough for them to justify looking at one and going, yeah, we're going to guarantee that you have two more after this. It's a difficult one because of the tone that they set with the first Mm X-Men. I think what you've got to remember circa 99-2000 is that that first X-Men movie made such an impact because after all of the gaudy over-the-top camp of the latter batman movies mm. it felt like a really grounded superhero movie black leather means grr, gritty yeah. <laughs> but it didn't do the you know what do you what do you want me to wear yellow spandex it mm. didn't it was very self-consciously a more grounded x-men um x-men universe and say what you want about that now in terms of what marvel does and how they've embraced mm. more of the comic booky side of things but in the early 2000s, that was entirely necessary to get people on board with the idea of a yeah. comic book movie. Mm. And I think that there's a big problem when that's the case and then you come to try and adapt one of the most comic booky X-Men mm. stories. Yeah. So a quote here, this is from Zach Penn, who was co-wrote it with yeah. Kimberg, And he said, um, this was in response to people asking him why it wasn't closer to the comic. Mm. And he said, <laughs> look, this isn't going to be treated the way you want. Is Phoenix going to be a cosmic force that's a giant bird of fire? No, because it doesn't fit into the world. Sometimes it is when it's under a lake for like 10 yeah. seconds. <laughs> you get a giant firebird. No, 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 I'm all personality yeah. sort of no reason. But I think that that's the, that's mm. the thing. This was just, I find it weird that they pushed for it because it feels like the wrong story. Yeah. And I think they mm. pushed for it because it was, it's arguably the most iconic X-Men story yeah. and they felt like they needed to end it on the X-Men epic. But it doesn't make any sense going with Phoenix given what they've set up in the previous films. Yeah. I think you can tell a Phoenix story with those restrictions and you can make it about you know, oh, it's just the full extent of Jean's powers, you know, that was shut down when she was younger, which is a, a, a tack that a lot of X-Men adaptations take. Is that what Dark Phoenix does? It does a bit of that, but it still has cosmic Oh, good, things. it actually has cosmic powers. Well, obviously it still doesn't do it no, right, no, or t- clearly. T- 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 it does, it does all these things, but also it forgets that in Apocalypse she already had the Phoenix in her and it was all glowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, was, she was doing that <laughs> at the end sake. of Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, I think it is possible to do a slightly more grounded version of the Phoenix where you don't necessarily have to have the Shi'ar and the Cosmic Firebird and stuff like that. But 
it's still you're still trying to jam it into too small a container. It needs yeah. to be um, the central focus of the story. Yes, the and it, and it needs to be about Jean's journey ultimately. Yes. And the, she's barely a character in the last. Oh yeah, stand. she's a she's a plot device. Yeah, basically. absolutely. This is also the problem of a of an X Men film series that is essentially a Wolverine film no, series. That's the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Absolutely. And, yes. 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 And of course, that was clearly what Fox was also thinking because at the same time they're making X Men: The Last Stand, mm. they are putting wheels in motion for X Men Origins Wolverine. And, Everyone's favorite X Men movie, and mm. ultimately for the unfilmed X Men Origins Magneto, which is basically first class. Yeah. And I think you've got a big problem there because what Fox were essentially doing is making what is supposed to be the finale of a series while simultaneously trying to develop ways to finish, to continue that series. And I think that this has a detrimental impact on The Last Stand because it was never really treated as that even though that's what it's supposed to be. Mm. And I do feel like this is a film series that would have been served better as a trilogy draw a line under it and then move on mm-hmm. to to either reboot restart or just not do x-men for a while and do something else um and i think that this is a this was a huge a huge issue here i think this is a bigger issue at the moment in general mm. which is that people because of franchises and how that works people are very unwilling to let things end absolutely yeah everything needs to be 21 movies yeah. continuous mm-hmm. everything's a shared universe mm-hmm. and we're and trying to copy marvel and all that kind of bullshit yeah. run it out until it dies and exactly I, yeah and i think it's interesting that you see the beginnings of that during the production of this film because up until this point in sort of mid 2000s we were very much resigned to that idea that a film series lasts for three or four installments and Mm -hmm. normally by the time you get to four you're hitting your alien resurrection and superman four quest for peace territory and you know it's over and weird enough you've got kevin feige as a producer on these films as Mm. well yeah he clearly like learned from his mistakes and was Mm. like oh we didn't end that properly like what if we never end it and make all the money in the world the key thing here i think as much as it's going to be a very painful subject for us to discuss in general is that brian singer made two good films and then pissed off and made superman because he didn't give a shit about the x-men just you know did a good thing with it same thing with jj abrams doesn't give a shit about star trek made some good star trek stuff there but wanted to get to star wars and then um singer desperately wanted to get to superman effectively so jump ship as soon as he could now singer for lack of better or worse did construct two really good films First one, age is worse. The like, like Spider-Man one. The more you go back, the more you go. Oh, but anyway, the point is that he had this control and a vision of certain things, and every character had an emotional story with it, and everything was sort of structured nicely, and there was arc, etc., etc., etc. But also, the powers worked quite nicely, mostly. Unlike, say, when you got most of the characters being introduced at the last minute, the last battle in the last stand on Alcatraz is laughable because suddenly all the mutant powers are jumping. Yeah, and everyone <laughs> can jump. Everyone has like portals. Yeah, it's like the end game fight done really badly. Exactly. Like, exactly oh, look at all these. Look at all the new characters. Like, no, we know these characters. You can see that. Oh, it's the wizards from the school, and it's yeah. all like the other sorcerers and stuff. And it's hey, there's Spider Man swinging in. It's like, yeah. who's that guy? Why is he blue? Yeah. I love the. Do you know who you're talking to? And then <laughs> Quill goes like, Pum. "Do you?" It's like, no, we don't know who you are. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? You're a fucking hedge. We don't know what you do. Yeah, entirely. And I think this is the interesting thing about uh, again. It's not just that Brian Singer coming back could fix it, for example, because he did come back with Days of Future Past, and I'm one of the people who does not care for that movie. I like Days of Future Past quite a lot. A lot of people do. But because he had like two stories in mind and then a sort of rough idea for a treatment, and that was about it. And because there's nowhere for the studio to go... Because two feels like an actual good point to stop, to be fair. Yes, okay, you could carry on quite nicely, but you could be done with two. A one-two Logan. Yeah, that'd be nice. nice. Um, Just... Jumping back to the powers uh, and the Jumping vast... Back. Here we go, Tim. Here we uh, go. Vast groups of anonymous mutants. Dark Phoenix continues the trend of both take uh, having a extremely minor henchman character who is given the name of a very significant X-Men yeah. villain oh, of course. that yes. does not match with their power set at yes. all, and then also having a henchman who is not a recognisable mutant at all, despite there being like literally thousands of mutant henchmen that you could throw into these films and just have that little bit of like, oh, they're doing that character. Um, And and yeah, just the treatment of the IP, especially in the latter half of, you know, this uh, series has been 
mind-boggling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, e- even in Last Stand, like the two characters I always think of that could have almost saved this film in some ways, and we might get to this in, in fixing it, Angel's character and the kid that sort of leech but not leech the 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 cure <laughs> yeah. kid yeah like between them and i was watching a youtube video i think it was um uh mr sunday movies he did like a caravan of garbage thing when they talk about the bad moments in certain franchises they talk about like the star wars christmas special and that kind of stuff mm. x-men last stand was their take on x-men he said like Angel gets three minutes of screen time in this film, yet yeah. you're supposed to believe in his arc of like, oh, I'm a tortured kid, my dad hates me. And then like, I'm proud of being an X-Man. And then he flies off like the fucking pterodactyls in Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, oh, cool, yay, he's free, he's off to go. We don't know this kid. Why do we give a fuck es- about especially him? Especially as the and opening the, and is so very traumatic. That yeah. kid sawing off his own. That's really... Right. And the thing is, what's strange, that's the, I'd say, if I'm honest, the most emotionally resonating thing of the whole film is a kid crying. Absolutely. Se- self-harming so his parents don't jump down. That 100%. there is, is beautifully X-Men and I don't care for the X-Men. So I'm like, that's it. And then that's in the first, what, two, five minutes? Yep. And then it all goes to shit. That could have been... Yep. If, if we'd have had Angel's arc as a way to experience the rest of the story mm. and we see him him being the kind of insider like oh we see him does he side with magneto does he yeah. side with the professor and that or storm in the end of it like that kind of thing having his conflict would make it so much more interesting because you've got his dad being a central figure mm. and his son's like oh, i'm just gonna jump out of a window mm. for no reason it's like okay cool but and then leech shows up and it's like 90 seconds of screen time, maybe? And never really explained like why he's here or who he is or what's going on. But you get him on a fighting pit in uh, Apocalypse, everything's fine. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It fixes it. God. Thank you, Germany. Jesus. And Leech doesn't even get to be green. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's the point if he's not green? <laughs> so we mentioned how good the first two films are. How garbage this film is. Mm. Do you want to do a little... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes guess for the first three X Men. Oh, I'll give three. you. I'll give you a clue. This is the lowest rated of the three. Of yeah. Them. <laughs> Here's a little hint for you. It's not the lowest rated of all of the X Men films. No, 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 that no. doesn't. Isn't isn't that Dark Phoenix at the moment? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Phoenix. I'll give you a clue. Has twenty three percent. The next lowest. Mm. Is or Origins. Origins. Origins at thirty seven, and then Apocalypse at yeah. forty seven. Mm. I think it's fair. Yeah. So, yeah, have a okay. guess for X1, X2, X-Men United, and X-Men The Last Stand. I'm, Alec, I'll come to you first. Well, I'm going to suggest that we take one each. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. bold choice. Okay. okay. So, Getting rid of the competitiveness of previous seasons yeah, and yeah. working yeah, yeah. together to bring it the all. The hive mind. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so okay, X1, Mr. I'm Plowman. I'm going to go with a solid 80% for X-Men because I feel like this was a film that came out, was a, at a time when this wasn't a big mainstream thing, I think if it was released now, it would probably do better than it did then. Mm-hmm. I think it was generally well liked, but I don't know if certain sections of the press necessarily loved it. This may help to clue you guys in. I can confirm it is 81%. Oh, wow. 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 Okay. well done, well done. Nice. Yeah, nice. That's good. So, Timothy, over to you. X2. X2. Higher, lower than the first one. How much higher, how much lower? That is the question. I th- I think it's going to go higher. I think okay. I think this was in the little this was post Spider-Man pre Spider-Man 2, Correct. I believe. Yeah, it's 2003. We're, we're it's that, exactly between the two of them. We're in that yeah. peak of early superhero films kind mm. of thing. And I think this I think X2 was seen generally seen as a step forward, which I also consider it. Agreed. But yeah. I also think that you're always at this point. There were certainly critics who were still like, "Ah, it's just kid stuff." Um, <laughs> they still think about fucking Avengers now. Yeah, people, yeah, people still say that about Super. So Avengers. I'm gonna go with like a an 87. Very close again. It's 85. Ah, There's a lot of pressure two. on me now. Yeah, <laughs> shit. But Alec was one percent <laughs> off. Tim was two percent off. X Men: The Last Stand. Mr. Stogden. Mm. So Last Stand, yeah, we're talking about the early age of things. We haven't seen Spider-Man 3. We haven't seen the kind of stuff where everyone goes, oh, these don't work. When the it comes year to of our law, 2006. Exactly. And we haven't got to like the uh, Dark Knight Rises either, where people go, oh, no. That's but a good then, point, actually, yeah. We, yeah. Haven't, we haven't had Dark Knight. We haven't had Dark no, Knight. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's well, two years before Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the point. We haven't, we're only familiar with these things slowly running out of steam. So I think people be a little disappointed with the whole thing, but not, it would still be like, oh, it's a, it's a kid's film because there've always been kid's films. Like, no. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be a 
above 50. Okay. I may have been too ambitious there. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be six. No, not 60. Uh, <laughs> 50, fucking 59. You're 2% off as well, Matthew. 57. Shit, son. <laughs> well done, gentlemen. They were good guesses. Very Fuck. good guesses. <laughs> uh, as, as I mentioned, <laughs> X-Men, next, X-Men Origins Wolverine is 37. First Class is 86. The Wolverine is 71. Days of Future Past is 90. Deadpool 84. Apocalypse 47. Wolverine, Wolverine, Logan, mm. not Wolverine, Logan, mm-hmm. Logan is 93, which yeah. I think is appropriate. Mm. That's easily the best of the films, in my opinion. Yeah. Legion, the TV show, is 90%. Deadpool 2 is 83%. Mm. And Dark Phoenix, 23%. Before people start writing on Twitter and, and emailing us, which of course you all can do, should you feel need to, we know these figures fluctuate slightly with more reviews coming in every now and again. So if someone says, oh, it's not anymore, it's... it's 73 it's like yes because more people reviewed it highly now <laughs> it sh- it shifts but at the time of recording entirely accurate so i'll, sc- I'll screenshot this if you want <laughs> pedantic motherfuckers yeah basically we all got it really close and we're all really good at this so yeah thanks yeah you guys are the best this is, this is not the best <laughs> problem solved everything's fine so we know x-men last stand is a hot pile of garbage <laughs> and you three gentlemen have the Unpleasant task of fixing it. Wading hip deep in the poop. I, I found it a deeply pleasant task to be able to. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Just sweep, sweep all up. the trash away. <laughs> Wading hip deep and going, I love this. So, <laughs> this is where I belong. <laughs> that explains a lot. So, it's something we need to discuss, I feel. The director, Brett Ratner. What we doing with Mr. Ratner? What's what's the plan for a director for fixing this thing? It's a weird one because I feel mm. like Brett Ratner... I feel like the faults of X-Men The Last Stand are not necessarily Brett Ratner's. Mm. As so much as they are... <laughs> the three other people in the room went, mmm, and squinted. It's, I still, it's not as... Mm, no, no. He also doesn't bring anything. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's another, Have you seen <laughs> Rush Hour? <laughs> but I think that from a... You know, the, the, um, the script... Is what lets this film down in a big way, I think. Yeah. I think Kinberg. Although I think we, we did touch on this previously, like this film has very little in terms of like visual imagination when it comes to powers or, or even just that's most shots. That's true. Or even necessarily feeling like it has continuity with the first two. Yes. So with that in mind, I think while I think that, you know, Ratner is not the the world's most awful choice for this. I don't think he's the best either. And I think if we wanted to make a really great X-Men The Last Stand, the question is, who do we bring in to direct it? Because there is a very obvious choice. So you mentioned the continuity from the first two. Mm. I'm assuming you're going to go for... Well, in any world, Brian Singer should have directed X-Men yes. 3, one would argue, because he did a very good job with 1 and 2. Mm. He later came back and did a decent job with um, Days of Future Past, and then we won't talk about the one after that. But, um, <laughs> but you know, he's got a track record for X-Men things, mm. and it's kind of responsible for originating all of that and making it what it was mm. but it's brian singer yeah and in right light of recent allegations which are this that that makes that situation feel a bit uncomfortable if you mm. don't know what we're talking about let's just go and google brian singer controversy and uh yeah that, that'll lay just it all add, out add, add him to the list of harvey weinstein kevin spacey max landis Brett Ratt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got that difficult question of what do you do about that, especially as I'm assuming, I, I, I defer to Tim on this, but that, that, that we're still going with Earth Year 2006 as our year of uh, yeah, release I think for this. Yeah, around, certainly around then. Yeah, and yeah not, no reason not, not to. too long. I would yeah. say, if anything, Earth Year 2007, Whoa. because then it allows a new director to come on and do their own vision properly and not be hindered by time constraints or anything like Ooh. that. Like, we've got to get this done by this point and we haven't got a director mm. and got a vision. That kind of thing. Sure. So the question then is, like, who is the director? Because I think in one world, I, in one sense, it makes perfect sense for it to be Brian Singer. In the other sense, if, given... If we, if we were doing this podcast 12 years ago, first of all, 
We'd be well ahead of the curve. I'd be yeah. so proud of us as little wee babes <laughs> making a, making sequelizers. But, like but we're not. It's 2019. Hmm. We can't have Singer. Yeah. We just can't. It's like, this is the perfect gift for my child. It's amazing. Oh, wait, it's stolen. Well, now I know it's stolen. I can't really buy it's it. It's rolling in the poo of X-Men 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, um, as Alex pointed out, I think Brian Singer would be the logical choice. But there are two two big factors. First big factor is... Uh, Google it. And the second factor is that, in truth, he left and took Marsden with him for, for Warner Brothers. So we, we probably couldn't get Singer back. So people might not be familiar with the fact or aware of the fact that, obviously, Fox didn't have Brian Singer. They needed to go in something else. And they, weirdly enough, actually approached Matthew Vaughan, director of First Class. And his reaction was, well, kind of two or threefold, really. There are generally different responses. One is that he says, I wouldn't have had the time to do the thing I would have wanted to do. And he says, personal stuff, which who knows what that means. He also then said, how do you follow X-Men 2? And then very famously on Twitter, started just trashing X-Men 3, saying, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's no emotional core. But basically what we said earlier. Um, so effectively, the logical answer is Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. He seems to be the... Mm. Just, quite yeah. like Matthew Vaughn. Bring, bring He's directed faster. some good films. He's only been a stardust at this point. He's... um. In fact, in his words, he was like, I, I, uh, I'm I, trying to restart my career, not just as a producer, but as a director. He's only just done Stardust, about to go off and do a few other things. And it's... So you Stardust know. kick ass? I guess yeah, also oh, superhero no, actually, kind of vibe. That's entirely correct. He might have just done... Um, Layer Cake? Layer Cake. Oh, and another good film. about to do Stardust or about come with lack of it. But either way, um, his career... I'm, I'm trying to prove myself as a director. I don't need the dead albatross around my neck of, oh, he directed that shit mm. X-Men 3 film. So I think it was more a, a combination of... I don't want this poison chalice. And he was probably right to do it. And then he gets, you know, with, with that first class, he gets to come on board and say, hang on, I can swoop in now and do whatever the hell I want. And people be so okay yeah, he, with it. He'd done Layer Cake and Stardust. Uh, if we're doing 2007, Stardust yes. is 2007. Okay, that's what it is. Yes. And then Kick Ass a couple of years later, then First Class, Kingsman, the Kingsman, Kingsman sequel. Kingsman. The Kingsman 3 call. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to Kingsman 3. I like the first one. Pre, you know, two, yeah, but the third one's going to be a prequel set like in the early 1900s. It's a bit like sort of a steampunk. Okay, yeah. Anyway, not anyway. So Matthew Vaughan, I think, is a, is a pretty, pretty cool. So we'll go with Matthew Vaughan then to direct. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, I, I tackled the plot. Um, you did with gusto. With gusto. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to read out a summary here. I did end up re- writing basically like an old school sequelizers pitch. <laughs> a that full went on, script treatment, that yeah. That was basically a full script treatment, which will stick up on the Patreon uh, as bonus content. Um, so if you're if you're at all interested in that, uh, or tantalised by by the tease here. Mm. Um, it, it is a good read. I enjoyed mm. it. So, yeah. Um, so we talked a lot about how three should be the end of a trilogy. Um, and so that was one of the things that I was aiming to do. Um, and... We uh, one of the things I wanted was it, it felt like a nice thematic move in the first X Men film. It's Magneto who is the threat. He he is the danger. He's going to war with the humans. Yeah. Um, and then in X Two we have Striker, but we also have Magneto like subverting Striker's weapon at the end. It's basically the war between humans and mutants. So I figured it would be good at for the final film to have it a purely human threat and get something which X-Men The Last Stand teases but doesn't actually properly give us, which is the Sentinels. Ah, yeah, which you is... get the little danger room head thing, yes. don't you? That's um, arguably better looking than the ones we got later on in the franchise. Sure. Yes. More comic interesting. Um, and importantly, they were also a big feature in the 90s cartoon, which is where a lot of people are familiar with these. Are they going to be attacking people in malls? Is that what we're going to be doing? I haven't got that scene. But I don't believe I... it. <laughs> oh, man, now I've got to go back and rewrite it. <laughs> I must admit, having only really, because I didn't really like X-Men comics much at all, and my only real experience was the TV series, and when they did the first film, they're like, oh, it's all the leather. I'm like, okay, but this, where are the big robots, though? Well, I yeah. thought exact same <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, Yeah, it was all the extended robot yeah. battles. Yeah, yeah, right. So I shall I shall go through my summary here and and, and expand occasionally, uh, just and de- detail some of the bits that I've got in the... Uh, I expand occasionally treatment. as well. Hey! Yeah. Is that can't, a penis thing? Or and if you ask nicely. Is that your, is that your mutant power? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we, we begin with the X-Men still reeling from Jean's death. Um, Wolverine and Storm are spending most of their time traveling the US helping new mutants who are in trouble. 
um, and in fact, New for, Mutants capitals? Uh, not quite, oh. uh, because the the actual opening scene in the film is them helping out a young uh, Remy LeBeau, oh. aka Gambit, played by Taylor King. <laughs> <laughs> or Channing Tatum or nobody Channing Tatum <laughs> fucking off. Channing Tatum he was in but, a picture at one point speaking of clusterfuck films the Gambit film good lord yeah. that never exists that sort of exists and never exists so for Remy LeBeau if people are curious as to um, Channing, who we're going to cast Channing Tatum obviously I mean Channing Tatum did, did cross my mind uh, but equally antagonistic for, of audiences I'm waiting for them to jump on and say no <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, the answer is we're going to go for someone who is going to be, you know, uh, a bit mysterious, a bit broody, quite rebellious and mm-hmm. rambunctious, a very good actor, and also uh, a thing for certain ladies and thing for certain dudes, I guess. And the answer is <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Oh, Batman himself. Batman himself. Bloody hell. Batman Cullen. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we we get the introduction of Gambit um, as a, a young mutant in trouble. Um, meanwhile, Scott is back at the mansion and he's kind of relentlessly training the next generation of X Men. Um, we get a fun Danger Room sequence. Um, so this is this will be uh, Iceman, Rogue, Colossus, who we obviously saw in X Men Two. He mm-hmm. had a, a slightly bigger role in X-Men 3 or was at least standing around in the background more. <laughs> My favourite X-Men. Um, and also Jubilee who um, ah, keeps nice. showing up in the background and never actually is in the films. Until she is in the film Until she's she in Days Apoc- of Future Past. She was uh, in Apocalypse. Apocalypse. We, uh, and her main scene was cut. They so. still yeah. do nothing with her. Yeah. yeah. Um, our version's going to be um, she doesn't actually go on to do very much until later. We might know her as the voice of uh, Go-Go in Hero Six or maybe Amber in Sucker Punch or something like that. But basically, Jamie Chung again oh, nice. suppose, yeah, at this yeah. point relatively unknown sort of thing. But mm. I think she'd be very capable. She's a very good actor, mm. so yeah, she'd be good Jubilee. I think she was Mulan in uh, the Once Upon a Time yes. TV series. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we have that going on. Meanwhile, the government unveils the new Sentinel program, which they kind of market as something that can help mutants who have just just had their powers activated or they've lost control of their powers it's meant to be kind of uh, to aid law enforcement um so the x-men discuss how they should react to this new uh step um by the government um meanwhile the uh, after having tested it a bit the government decides to put it to more malevolent use and they go to break up magneto's compound of genosha hey which uh one of the few things that the dark phoenix film does relatively well they have it less as this like mutant island although it is still an island it's more like a little like weird culty compound in like the pacific northwest which (laughs) i mean i think a a guy who's a master of metals and he always got is like an upside down boat as his house fuck off yeah i mean it's yeah we'll make it look a bit more impressive (laughs) but but i quite i quite like that interpretation of like let's turn it into this weird like almost sort of yeah camp yeah um commune yeah so um so yeah we'll have a nice battle there of the sentinels taking on uh, Magneto and his acolytes um, and kind of he starts off very um, uh, sort of dismissive of like oh you know you humans keep coming and saying you're going to kick me off this island but you know you've got nothing that can stand up to me and then the sentinel show up and actually kick his ass because they've they adapt to mutant powers and Mm. they um, don't have any metal in them Um, so most of the acolytes are going to be kind of background characters, but one of the few that's kind of important to our story um, is uh, Fabian Cortez, who was a big deal in the uh, kind of first arc of X-Men as opposed to Uncanny X-Men, which was the big 90s second X-Men title that was Jim Lee and Chris Claremont in its first arc. Um, so yeah, Legendary he, run. The, a legendary one, the yeah. best-selling comic of all time. Yeah, so, the first issue is the best-selling comic yeah. of all time. Really? Yeah. The first yeah. issue has, uh, like, it's the first variant covers thing, isn't it? As yeah. Well, it's the, famous ra- the famous wraparound thing with Magneto yeah. stood there with his fist. Oh, and I have seen that. Yeah, that's yeah. A, one of the, you Google X-Men, that's yeah. one of the images that comes up. Yeah. 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 Jim Lee's X-Men is yeah, legendary. So, so we're and Claremont is probably the best X-Men writer there's ever been. Yes, yeah. For him specifically, we went... Strange enough... 
he was blonde at the time, which is appropriate, I think, because the character in, if I remember for the cartoon, had blonde hair and a big mm. ponytail, I think. But uh, Pedro Pascal, who people oh, know. Oh, nice. Yeah, people know later from like, yeah. oh, that guy from Narcos and from Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was been around for ages. And Kingsman 2. And Kingsman 2. <laughs> Goodly <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't even consider that thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice. There you go. <laughs> He's already pals with Matthew Vaughan from the future. Oh, that's how sequelizing works. <laughs> Um, so most of Magneto's acolytes are captured by the Sentinels, along with Storm and Rogue, who have tracked a squadron of the Sentinels there in the Blackbird, um, uh, along with Wolverine. But he manages to escape with Magneto, and they both return to the X-Mansion to ask for help. Interesting. So you got Magneto coming back with Wolverine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. okay. Um, so Charles is very torn about what to do uh, in this situation because he doesn't want to es- escalate it. And he doesn't want to threaten the progress that the mutants have made in terms of like getting more rights and stuff like that. Um, and this would be them flat out like attacking the government. Yeah, declaration of war kind of thing. Yes. Exactly. Um, at the same time, we have Wolverine, who's trying to kind of like shake Cyclops out of his depression. Um, who has been very like reticent to kind of take command or like threaten, you know, p- put people's lives at risk in in what he's doing. Um, but we have him. Scott kind of finally coming into action uh, to defeat a squadron of sentinels that's followed the Blackbird to the mansion. With um, his lasers? With his lasers. <laughs> They're not lasers, people. They're beams of concussive force. Um, uh, Makes and- no sense, but Tim's right, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, They're really warm, though, right? That's a that's a feature. Yeah, they explode and like cut through things, but they're concussive. <laughs> um, For reasons. And again, this is a this is a comic book reference here to um, a great bit in the uh, gifted arc that uh, Joss Whedon and John Caste did in the comics, which was partially used as the inspiration for X Men: The Last Stand. There's I was going to say, yeah, there's a great moment where Cyclops just blasts this Sentinel clean off the uh, mansion lawn. Mm-hmm. And there's a weird tie with so Joss Whedon was also involved in the X Men franchise at the time, and he yes. helped Ellen Page prepare for the role and all that kind of thing was like friends with her and chatting with her and the bit of script that she read was directly from an issue of gifted <laughs> for her audition yeah so i thought it was quite interesting That's nice. um and so yeah so uh the x-men and magneto travel to the sentinel base um where the mutants are being held captive by the sentinel's inventor uh bolivar trask who's kind of our big bad guy here yeah, Bolivar Trucks, we've got to go with... Um, Dinklage, typical... Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, was Dinklage? I mean, Dinklage... what was Dinklage doing? in Station agent probably around that time. Yeah, he's really good yeah, and he's a really yeah. good actor. So, I mean, he would have been fine, but it would have been such a strange move. Um, we're going to go with typical uh, uh, prestige actor type. So, um, Joaquin Phoenix has just won an Oscar for Walk the Line. And it's like, oh yeah, that guy. Get him on board. Joaquin Phoenix. Mm, Joaquin nice. Because yeah. nice. Um, again, I think he's got that... Uh, very much so, and now it hasn't been released yet at this time of recording, but the trailer for the Joker film, as much mm, as I'm like, yes. no! And then you see the trailer and go, actually, this is interesting. If it wasn't a Joker film, this would be all right, because right? he is a very, yeah. very, very good actor. Yeah. And again, him having that air of menace, but also being charming and things, I think that would be really interesting as a... He could do mental and charming and this weird kind Entirely. of like... Almost the, like we are saying with what Jean Grey almost should have been the kind of yes. dual personality thing he does that kind of like snaps into some other yeah. kind of mode very well I mean well. This, this is a man who's created machines to literally police and or wipe out an entire race of people mm. there's a ever you know there's a level of monstrousness to that but also it's like to protect my people I was like yeah, yeah that's and kind he, of what Magneto all, is I'm imagining almost like a public face of like hi I'm Bolivar Trask and yeah. then like, why aren't these damn things working and he's like freaking out in the background kind of yeah thing. I, th- I think it would be Along those lines. Yeah, we actually have a scene earlier in the film where he, uh, we're having him as the deputy secretary of the Department for Mutant Affairs, um, and uh, so we do, we get this like press conference of him announcing the Sentinel Initiative, um, and one of the other people who is involved with the department but not involved with the Sentinels is Doctor Henry McCoy, ah. aka the Beast, who mm. we do have in this film. Yes, uh, for that one, um... there's a correct answer here, Matthew. That's oh, correct oh really? Yeah. I'm about to say it then, and yeah. you're about to tell me how you're, I'm wrong, and then I'm yeah, going to say absolutely. I think you're wrong. Yeah. No, um, yeah, Kelsey Graham is a great casting. He is, yeah. He's the best he's, thing about that film. He is. He's a really solid choice, and uh, considering the nature of how CGI works, it doesn't matter who's really... You're about to pick the guy who played Niles, because I will slap you. <laughs> <laughs> if you pick Niles, if you pick Sideshow Settle over Sideshow Bob, 
I will no. slap. I will slap. No, you. we're going to go more. Well, let's say more controversial. We're making a. Uh, uh, well, I, I made it. A, a conscious choice to type cast against. Oh, sorry, cast against ethnicity. Oh. So we have an African American guy. Okay. As beast. Okay. Um, and we're going with Kelsey Grammer in black. Kelsey Grammer in blackface. He's in blueface. Um, no, it, we are going with somebody who's only just been in Syriana at this point. And he goes on to do lots of things and very much for contemporarily now what he's done with in Westworld as uh, Bernard. Um, but basically, um. Jeffrey Wright. I love Jeffrey Wright. That's a great yeah. choice. Him, him in this, and also then he again. He's not really know much. He's Syriana, does uh, Felix Leiter in Casino Royale, but as an actor, he's got such a great presence. And and the thing is, it's strange. We do this, and that's what I think love about you know the sequelizer's idea in theory is that you get a chance to say if we weren't like surrounded by producers who are idiots and or racists and or sexists, <laughs> you wouldn't end up with a, naturally, a generic, well, it has to be a white man. It's like, <laughs> does it? Because this person feels, and again, as arrogant as this sounds, in my own casting, I'm like, well, this person's best for the role. This is the person to go with. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter if they're male, female, otherwise, and especially with the ethnicity as well. It's like, if they're the right person, fucking cast them. It's like, well, you can't cast Flash Gordon, as we discussed in, um, in the uh, Cinematic Universe episode. You can't cast Flash Gordon as an Asian man. Why not? Who's, who says we can't? Yeah. It's, it's a fucking fictional film. And also, they're all aliens. <laughs> but that's, that's the point. So in this case, we're going with Jeffrey Wright because you think he's a solid choice and he's be, he'd be bringing a lot of presence. And, and uh, But then also this time, a lot of the choices were made for casting. A lot of unknowns as far as mm. the public is concerned. Yeah, it's a kind of a retroactive casting, mm. isn't it? Like, he's good in Westworld. Mm. Six years from now, like, yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. Like, yeah. But equally, he's always been good. If you think about the yeah. X-Men films, they always kind of dig in with people you wouldn't have thought of. Mm. And he'd done he'd done Basquiat at that oh, point, yeah, hadn't yeah. he? So he was he was, he was, he was around and, and and kind of well he known was as. Thing. I was ready yeah. to fight you if you didn't make Kelsey Grammer, and I was like, "Fuck, I love Jeffrey Wright. You bastard! <laughs> <laughs> what a great choice." Um, so yeah, so we have the X Men and Magneto travel to the Sentinel base uh, and freeing the captives, um, and that's mostly the acolytes, and then um, a few kind of civilian mutants. Who I think is the last casting note that we have, uh, which is a, another kind of small-scale mutant from the um, late 80s, early 90s um, uh, in the comics called Sal- Sally Blevins. Who I cast, and then Tim said, no, she's going to be 15. I went, oh, sorry. Because <laughs> 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 I read the sort of... I didn't know it was Sally Blevins at all. I read the Wikipedia article and yeah. thought, oh, she's an adult. It's like, no, she's not. Right, okay. <laughs> so we went with uh, Carly Schroeder, who is... Um, She's known mostly for kids' TV stuff. She's been like the Lizzie McGuire show and things like that. And she's, again, very capable actress. And like, there you go. That's a, an appropriate casting. Um, without go- And this is the kind of thing about casting for this sort of stuff as well. You don't want to go, well, we cast a, a, a young so-and-so who ends up being the biggest star on TV. Mm. And you're like, well, no. Or we cast Chloe Grace Moretz. And it's mm. like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could argue that, but then it becomes out of the range of plausibility. She'd be really fucking young at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the whole, in terms of practicality, realism, and also what you can suit get. Because if you if you do any sort of fantasy casting anyway, shape or form, or, or, or like sequels in general, fantasy storytelling, you can't just say, what's the X-Men story? Well, they would have given them a budget of 500 billion, but the most yeah. expensive <laughs> film ever made. It's like, no, 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 we need to keep this in a realm of possibility. Yeah. So you can't just say, who's in this film? Every A-lister you can imagine. Yeah. So Carly Schroeder, not an obvious choice. People might not know who she is, but she's more than capable of that role. I think she's a good choice. Yes, and it's it's not the biggest role in the film. No, exactly. Uh, and she's been, she was in Mean Creek, which is a she was, and she great was good film. It. Yeah, so, yeah, good 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 little choice um so then um the x-men are freeing the captives and but the sentinels are still threatening to overwhelm them um however and this is where the uh having fabian cortez who uh, boosts other mutants powers is important in the equation um because he uh tries to use rogue as a human shield against sentinels and with him touching her skin um boosts her powers and she absorb basically hoovers up the powers of a bunch of the other acolytes <laughs> and we suddenly have the rogue that everyone's familiar with who can fly and yes. punch being stuff. super strong and yeah, yeah cool yeah um and uh she is the one who destroys the um master mold program uh, that is enabling the sentinels to adapt to the different mutant powers and so the battle you know the the tide turns uh we have trask 
captured, his operations exposed, um, and then the film closes with Charles Xavier announcing to the public that he is a mutant, which is something that he has kept secret for this time. And That's the I am Iron Man moment. I'm es- like. Essentially, yeah. 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 And saying, like, it's time for mutants to stop living in the shadows, like, you know, and that his school will kind of serve as a sanctuary for anyone mm. who wants to come there. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's the uh, and no post credit sequence. No post credit sequence. They weren't, <laughs> they weren't at the thing at the time. No, no, another teaser of Phoenix or anything no, like that. No, and there is a post credits in X Men: The Last Stand. In the oh yeah, 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 the yeah there was yeah, there was, yeah, there was the X Two as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plot. I wanted to do something that gave Rogue more to do. Um, yes. And yeah, uh, like a through line in this is where, while we're seeing her being trained is that. The, the kind of the new generation of X-Men aren't really sure they want to be X-Men. Like, Iceman is very like, yeah, I want to go out there and be helping people. And like, He doesn't well, want to do ice skating and stuff. He doesn't want to do like, ice skating. Doesn't want to, in a uh, weird love triangle that doesn't make any sense or go anywhere. Exactly. Um, but we have Colossus and Jubilee who are both like, we're not sure that we want to be superheroes. We'd rather like teach in the school or we'd rather be like the public face of mutants. Just normal people. And Rogue very much kind of torn in that because she's like, I kind of I want to be out there helping people, but what do I do? Like all I can do is suck other people's powers up, um, and so yeah, to kind of delve into that for her and have that be her emotional arc um, in the film. Quick question: Is Anna Paquin's accent better in this? No, <sighs> no, that's yeah. still terrible. But <laughs> neither um, Sally Barry. Damn it! Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> oh. I, 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 again, watching the the video clip, we can fix the films. We can't fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise how often Hugh Jackman like slips to Australian, <laughs> and there was just a compilation of all the times he's like, "Oh, hey, mate. I mean, uh, 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 hey, Scott, how are you?" <laughs> <It's> like, <"Ooh." laughs> Suddenly, Aussie Wolverine supposed to be Canadian. Well, he is. If you've ever seen the 1989 X Men cartoon pilot, oh. Wolverine is hella Australian. He is Australian <laughs> inexplicably. Hey, in what are you doing, mate? Wolverine. Watch me pop my claws. Did they like Google it and like, ah, Wombat's close enough. Close enough, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like an animal from Australia. All the weird animals are from Australia. I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do ain't pretty. (laughs) Second best out, cut it, Bonza. (laughs) Oh, we've placed Bob with Bonza. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So we need a more Australian Wolverine is what you're telling me. Yes. That's what, that's all I took from this. And, and also, uh, Hugh Jackman is going to sing all of his lines <laughs> <laughs> and have a big with, red frock coat with and his, a top hat. With his Jean Valjean falsetto Oh, no, oh no, no we're, go, we're going Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman, yeah. oh. he, He'll like that. That's good. I'd go Jean Valjean, Jack. Yeah. I could notice how I could Jean Valjean, Jack. <laughs> yeah, Jean Valjean, Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> so, X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I know I, I kind of chipped in a couple of times as how much I'm enjoying it. Was there a particular kind of comic run that expired? You mentioned Gifted. Were there any other particular We're kind of points? pulling in things from, from various different points. Um, Which is what I like about it and why I think it works best. Because when you stick to things like, it has to be this, mm. it, especially with like in-name only, it's going to disappoint a lot of people who are expecting a certain story and a certain load of developments. Mm. Where if you go like, it's got elements and thematic points that are in tune with what the characters are expecting, sorry, the audience is expecting of the characters and what the fans are expecting of the characters to do. It's a nice hybrid. It's basically the best of everything mm. without meaning to stroke you too much, Tim. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. That's a lot of stroking. Um, yeah, and it, it, it was a thing of... Um, I wanted to be more... It, as much as I love the X-Men, I love the characters and the, and the comics and everything, it's more about being consistent to the films that have existed so far. Yes. Like, and, and respecting the universe that they've set up. So there are certain things that you can do. And there are certain, like, I wasn't going to have master mold be an actual giant robot that poops out other robots. Um, <laughs> like as much and as sings. I, as much as I love that. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I pulled a bit from like the very first appearance of the Sentinels, which was kind of one of the first, like multi-arc stories that the X-Men did back in 1964 or something. Um, you and say yeah. that as if you don't know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. It's right. to make sure he doesn't um, get caught up on yeah, it. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and, and drew stuff from a lot of places. Um, and, and stuff that I hoped, you know, pe- general audiences might be more kind of familiar with. Because obviously, like, Dark Phoenix is a big deal to X-Men fans, but... 
I don't know how much awareness like the general yeah. public is. Whereas I think a lot of them have memories of like, oh yeah, don't they fight robots a lot? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Matt and I just yep. said the exact same thing. Like being in our kind of mm. generation, that's the defining X Men thing. That's the mm. that's the thing that was introducing me to the X Men. Mm. Yes, like between the Spider Man. Radioactive Spider Blood, the '90s show, <laughs> Batman animated series, yeah. and X Men the animated series. Those were the things that got me into comic mm-hmm. books because, you know, I was born in 1990, so that stuff mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. Like all the reruns are happening in my childhood and yeah. stuff like that. Again, I didn't understand why Rogue wasn't flying. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, what's her power? She just ran." Like, because again, I have not been from the start. I was like, "I don't get it. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't she like flying around in a jacket?" And again, it's because of what we've already seen. I think I literally didn't realize it was rogue at first yeah. like, if i remember like watching the first film i was like yeah what what why is it calling everybody sugar and like throwing yeah. giant robots over her shoulder and yeah. stuff it's weird and and i think you know as great as dark phoenix is it's a not story the film yeah, not the film the, saga. the, the saga. comics um it's a film that doesn't it's a it's a story that doesn't really connect to the x-men's core metaphor like it's not True. about being you know, hated and feared by by humankind. Yeah. It's this weird space opera kind of thing that mm. happens. You know that uh, that that it only really works if you have real if you've built up affection for those characters and you've put the time in. And I don't think it works possibly in film at all because because you need that serialized nature. You need to have spent mm. so long with the characters so that them changing and coming and and you know being corrupted in these ways yeah. it's a tv arc. or unless they do know. something like the mcu and like you kind of hinted at earlier you, you build that up and mm. have phoenix be the thanos of, yeah. the, of that phase or whatever it is like because that know can I mean? cut you emotionally like mm. no 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 she's one of us and it's like no we've always been building to this that can yeah. that can really ch- yes, turn you absolutely yeah. um but you need you need the what, groundwork. A, a half a dozen a dozen films yeah. or whatever yeah. it is you or, or episodes that, building up to you it you can't just make that turn the last three episodes yeah. right and even with this like Obviously, with things like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff that's kind of opened up the cosmic yes. world and the cosmic mm. side of Marvel, you could probably get away with the Shi'ar stuff yeah, nowadays. No, yeah. Like, if mm. we were making this in 2019, we'd be like, fuck it, just giant bird people in space, it's fine, yeah. mm. doesn't matter, just go mental. Yeah. Doesn't she eat a planet to replenish herself at one point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, wow. what, that's what Phoenix does. That's kind of... Because yeah. they try and... They come and arrest Jean because she destroyed the planet or whatever and yes, she's hosting right. she the kill people yeah. yeah like you need to be responsible for the planet you just destroyed <laughs> nah bitch i'm out <laughs> pretty much yeah so in dark phoenix the f- the movie the race oh. that lived on the planet that gene eats in the comics oh. are the people is it the, the aliens that jessica chastain and her little gang are playing yeah so and they look like they're made of broccoli in the comics <laughs> and so it's really yep. weird to have like white blonde haired Jessica Chastain kind of floating around just being like, Hello, I've got a very underwritten part here and I'm playing I'm made it. Made of broccoli. I'm made of broccoli. Eat your greens, it's good for you. <laughs> well don't eat your greens, that's me. Oh, so that <laughs> incredibly sexual. Um but the is that you're right, it's the whole the planet's destroyed, they come to Earth to track it. But then also they happen to be on Earth in disguise anyway and you're like What? Yeah. <laughs> so many rewrites. So many problems. Yeah. yeah. I rather enjoyed that. Well done, Tim. Well done, Matthew. Well done, Alec. I, I, I very much enjoyed a thousand times more than X-Men <laughs> Last yeah, Stand. Yeah. And if you do want to experience Tim's full ex, ex-gushing, if his you will. concussive <laughs> force. His, 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 concuss, his concussive writing blast. I'll, t- I'll take off my ruby quartz fountain pen lid sure i don't know <laughs> ruby <laughs> ruby quartz keyboard cover yeah <laughs> there we go oh it looked like one of those weird like gaming pc keyboards where it's all glowing and <laughs> pointless go and check out patreon because you want to hear some more of that good stuff mm. if you're into x-men i'm sure you'll enjoy it even if you're not you might still enjoy it and that pretty much wraps us up for x-men the last stand well done, gentlemen. You fixed it once again. <laughs> again, I feel like Charlie to so Charlie's angels. angels yeah, again. <laughs> well done, my angel. I expect to get some sort of dog treat there for a I second. I know, right? Yeah, I'm just going to oh. flick something into Matthew's mouth. That's, that's later, Matt. If you know what I mean. <laughs> that comes later. <laughs> if you ask nicely. Uh, I'm good. Especially if you don't ask nicely. That's, that's, one of the oh, that's when the dog treats really come out. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to give Matthew... Digital dog treats. 
How could they do that, Matthew? <laughs> they could fuck off. <laughs> um, you could do a number of things, fine, fine people. You could follow me on the Twitters and Instagrams at Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can read my plentiful reviews of films, including, including Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, at theredrighthand.co.uk. You Have you been doing it long enough that you reviewed any of these X-Men's? Did you, you yeah, did Logan tons. as well, didn't you? I've been you? reviewing films since 2004. So, yes, you've got the almost... Yeah. Is the, is your last stand review I in there it somewhere? Might be somewhere. Oh. We should uh, we should share that on we'll, the social medias. We'll, we'll link Probably. we'll link to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, uh, you can also see my filmmaking stuff at cheesemint.com or just go into YouTube and look for cheesemint, and you will see some stuff, including Tim and me occasionally as well. True, true. Mm. I'll get Alec one day. Ominous. <laughs> one sounded, day. Sounded ominous. I'm not sure if I want to. Be I have got. A, I have a space on my wall for mounted heads. Uh. <laughs> I'll have your wall, sir. Speaking of mounted heads, how can we follow you on the internet, Alec? Oh boy, what a lead-in! Uh, well, I, if you go to uh, if you go to mountedheadrepository.com, oh, not do su- not suppo- that not yes. suppository. <laughs> it's very difficult to insert a suppository into a mounted head, but you can try. Oh, anyway, um, anyway. So yeah, on on the social medias, I'm Alec underscore Plowman on Twitter. That's where you can tweet at me. Tweet at me bro um so yeah do that i'm alec plowman on alecplowman.com on the interwebs um i do a music thing in a band what with jack in it so yep. monstercityband.com yeah heavy metal stuff they're good i approve of them i've seen them live many times do you have thank you no top hats there matthew well fuck you yeah speaking of top hats how can people follow you on the internet tim um, it is my favoured Monopoly piece. So, oh, um, me too. I'm yeah, a, I'm, a, I'm a little Scotty dog, personally. Iron. <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah. Is that like a weird personality test where you do like, what Monopoly piece It's either the you? hat or the battleship for me, so. Don't never trust a thimble. Nobody no, will, thimble no. people are weird. Yeah, thimble, yeah, thimbles are fucking weird. Yeah, top, top hat or race car, because it's a palindrome. Oh. Uh, um, don't like it because it's cool and you're just racing. And like, I like it because it's a palindrome. Exactly. <laughs> it's the nerdiest reason to like a car in the world. <laughs> it's a palindrome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, oh to, welcome to the English language. <laughs> You are Welsh, but I don't think oh, you speak Welsh. So there's no excuse. That's clever, that is. Anyway, yeah. um, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, trivia underscore lad. Um, I not throw a palindrome, up, unfortunately. Uh, not a palindrome, unfortunately. I throw up links to anything that I've been doing that's interesting, whether it's starring in Matt. Well, I say starring, being in Matt's You're web series. You're absolutely starring, starring yeah. 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 <laughs> um, or uh, writing about comics or various other things for various people. Um, and yeah, Jack. Where can we follow you? I'm JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. Twitter, Instagram. Probably not Bebo anymore. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> Is that a thing? Uh, you on Habbo Hotel. Oh, Habbo Hotel. Like The Sims, but shit. <laughs> I'm a comic book writer. I'm a musician with Alec Plowman in the band Monster City, as mentioned. Uh, yeah, we I do stuff on the internet. Occasionally for money, rarely for money, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, you can I follow do me. stuff on the internet for money. <laughs> it's not inaccurate, but yeah. it's funny. Sound. Rare, it's rarely like, for money. It's like Fiverr, but filth. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should get on Fiverr and just, just have some fun. What, we'll we'll sequelize your terrible sequel for Viper. Someone's going to sequelize their kids. It's going to be really awkward. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the comic that you were recently wrote? Uh, think people can buy on fucking Amazon. Um, it's a comic book about D-Day. It's published by Osprey Publishing, a subsidiary of Bloomsbury. And yeah, you can buy it on Amazon, the US store, UK store, I assume. Fra- Amazon France, the one that leaks all the video game information. <laughs> I've never. Amazon France has only ever mentioned when it's like, oh, the new Tomb Raider's coming out. Amazon France told us. Like, <laughs> yeah. I assume you can get it on other... It's Bloomsbury. They have far-reaching tentacles and yeah i wrote a 320 ish page graphic novel about d-day which is it's cool. a barrel of laughs as you can imagine <laughs> so yeah go and check that out if you want to um i've published a couple of other things a couple of anthologies if you want to check them out go to my twitter and follow the links if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers Throw some money in a Fiverr-ish kind of way, but in a less like weird, CD filthy than Fiverr, because <laughs> Fiverr feels a bit weird. 
feels a bit grubby. It's internet Patreon feels a bit more official and a bit more mm. appropriate. So uh, yeah, if you want to enjoy exclusive content and cool little additions to the show like Tim's X-Men script and various other things, as well as Patreon, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, of course, it is just sequelizers. Nice and easy. All the E's, no Z's. Don't fucking come at us with weird spellings because we've had years of this shit already. Mm. I've had enough. We're veterans now. Exactly. If you want to send a longer message that doesn't quite fit in a tweet or anything like that, you can email us, sequelizers at gmail.com as well. And that pretty much wraps us up for this episode. Would you agree, gentlemen? Bloody hell.